Hi guys, Danita Platt here with Platt Family and this is our podcast, School in the Wild. So I'd like to preface this by saying um, this section, this segment here is going to be um, my review, my going back and looking at notes and just talking about the things that jumped out at me from the previous reading. So we've read the preface of volume one for Charlotte Mason's home education series. We've read from the preface up to the principles. And I want to say just right here at the start, just give this disclaimer that we're believers, um, we are kingdom citizens, and so our perspective is going to be coming from a kingdom God perspective. Um, and so I just want to kind of say that on the front end um, and just, just kind of get that out of the way just so that you kind of know what you're listening to, kind of know know where we're coming from, okay? So let's get started. And thank you for listening with us today. So the preface to the home education series, the first chunk I want to talk about is where we're like only a couple sentences in and she says, as a stream can rise no higher than its source, so it is probable that no educational effort can rise above the whole scheme of thought which gives it birth. I just absolutely, I absolutely love that. Where she's talking about this, this no educational effort can rise above the whole scheme of thought. So then, of course, what is the whole scheme of thought, right? Where do we, she's saying we have to spring from someplace. We have to springboard from somewhere that gives us um, some boundaries, that gives us some, some, uh, some ideas, some, you know, you've gone, some, some form, some shape. So education is not simply to get a good job, right? It's not to get a good job and um, work that job and retire and die. We're not educating ourselves, educating our kids for that reason alone. Um, the purpose of education is to fulfill our God-given potential. That is why we seek knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. It's so that we can fulfill this thing that's bubbling on the inside of us, this stuff we see bubbling up inside of our kids this God-given potential, our desire is that we're able to actually fulfill that. So the intent of our creator informs why we should be educated. The intent of our creator is that we fulfill our potential. So that informs why we need to be educated. And our creation as humanity, as humans, is very special and unique in comparison to everything else that was created because we were created with God's image and his likeness. He built us in his image and in his likeness. So we aren't like just tools or objects for function. We were given everything we need in order to expand God's culture, right? When he made us in his image and his likeness and when he gave us permission to have dominion. So that is Genesis chapter one. That is God's original intent. That's where he started off from right there. And everything since then, since the fall of man, has been getting us back around to Genesis 1, like around 26 to 28, right? Um, that, that And I have given you dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over um, every creeping thing that creeps along the ground. Um, when God said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. Everything that's gone on has been to get us back around to that. So we approach education really from that perspective. We approach education from from this idea, this original intent, this original this original source. Um as Charlotte says, um 
And, and that's our scheme of thought, that our purpose is to expand the culture that we were created for and within by executing our God-given potential to the max. So that is our scheme of thought um, as we approach education. And so Charlotte goes on to say um, that perhaps not having a scheme of thought is why we have failed, why we've had disappointments in our efforts to educate. So um, next she says, regulated by a law, um, she's talking about education, the, the vision of education, um, that this law has yet to be evoked. There's a law around how people are educated. And she's saying, we can discern the outlines, right? Um, but no more. We know that this law is pervasive. It's everywhere. Everywhere people are being educated, they're learning They're picking something up. This law is there. That there's no part of a child's home life or school life which the law does not penetrate. It is illuminating, showing the value or lack of a thousand systems and expedients. Um, It is not only a light but a measure. I mean, she, she really goes into detail about saying, hey, guys, there's this thing. There are these boundaries. There's this way. There's this... There's this idea and it has it has a shape and a form. We have to figure out what that shape and form is so that we can adequately educate our kids and educate ourselves, right? Education just in general. So she talks about how the laws, um, the description of the laws, qualities, and even the breadth of it. She says, um, and that the path indicated by the law is continuous. It's progressive. There's no transition between cradle and the grave. Um, she's saying that we are always in contact with this law. And then she goes on to say the knowledge of God is the principal knowledge and the chief end of education. So that is back to fulfilling our potential is the chief end of education. I love that. I absolutely love it. So um, this perfect law of educational liberty, when it shall be made evident, it has been said that the best idea which can form, <laughs> excuse me, of absolute truth is that it is viable to meet every condition by which it can be tested. And that's really what we want to give our kids and what we want to have, right? That absolute truth can be argued with. People don't have to agree with it, but they can't argue against it. They can choose to not follow it, Right? But absolute truth can't be argued. So it can be in any situation tested and found above approach. And those are the things that we want to build our lives on. We want to help our kids build their lives on, right? So moving on after this part, um, she says such a theory of education uh, must be regarded not as a shut-off compartment. Oh, I love it. But as being as much a part of life as birth or growth, marriage or work, it must leave the pupil attached to the world and many points of contact. Education has to come out of this idea. We're going to sit down and have school now and then we're going to we're going to get up in the morning, we're going to go to school, you know, that it, that it has to and it does um reach outside of all of that stuff that we have to regard it not as a compartment, but education as a life. And that our desire is to attach pupils at many points of contact so that they can execute and fulfill their potential, execute and fulfill their God-given purpose. 
So here's one of her famous quotes. The central thought, or rather body of thought, upon which I found is that, uh, upon which I found is that somewhat obvious fact, that the child is a person with all the possibilities and powers included in personality. All Charlotte is saying right there is that we have all been made in the image and likeness of God and should be treated as such. That's all she's saying, you know, and that's the kind of thing that I, that I try to remember. Um, my husband and I had a mentor, Dr. Miles, Miles and Ruth Monroe. They have since passed. But I remember something that Dr. Monroe said one time. It has always stuck with me. He said, you know, when someone is really getting on your nerves, someone is, <laughs> someone is really, like, getting, like, you know, grinding your gears, um, look at that person and remind yourself they were made in the image and likeness of God. It'll back you down. It'll slow you down. And that's all Charlotte is saying right here. Kid, we have to remember that our children were made in God's image and his likeness. Right? And they should be treated as such. They should be given all of the benefits and all of the thought processes, the approach that comes with the idea of being created in God's image and his likeness. I love that. So let's move on. Here's another great Charlotte Mason quote. I find myself saying it at least twice, three times a week. Education is the science of relations. I love it. I'm always asking the boys. So now that you've read that, how does it relate to something you already know? And they kind of, you know, they kind of just come up with that stuff on their own. If We're out and about and they'll say, hey, mommy. Oh, yeah, that's like such and such that we read in such and such. Um, I really love that. Um, The education to science of relations appears to me to solve the question of curriculum as showing that the object of education is to put a child in living touch with as much as may be the life of nature and of thought. That's awesome, isn't it? I want to be in touch (laughs) with as much as much as I can in terms of nature and thought Add to this one or two keys of self-knowledge and the educated youth goes forth with some ideas of self-management, with some pursuits and many vital interests, right? They can have a full life. They can execute their potential in many, many different ways. And later she's going to talk about the science of, um, she's going to talk about the way of the will and the way of reason. And that's how we kind of sift through the ideas that we have. What Do, do we accept this idea or do we reject it? Um, that's the way of reason, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I absolutely love that idea of the science of relations. Um, and she's saying that in her time of creating creating these essays and doing this talking, she's saying that her treatment was not methodic. It was incidental. She gathered a little here and gathered a little there um, that she thought would be important for teachers and parents to know. And so I love that part because she's saying, I didn't just wake up one day and throw all this stuff down on some pages and now I'm telling you to read it and run off with it. She's saying this is years and years of experience, years and years of ideas. So now we are on to Charlotte's principles, right? We know the first one, children are born persons. They are born in the image and likeness of God and should be treated as such. Everybody should be treated as if they are what they are, which is um, created in the image and likeness of God. They aren't born either good or bad, but with possibilities for both. And we shouldn't, um, I love that because we shouldn't approach our kids or even ourselves as being angels or or being, you know, manipulative little things that are trying to figure out, trying to figure out how to get away with everything. She's just, she's just giving guidelines and ideas for us to kind of have some boundaries as we approach educating our children. 
that the principle of authority on the one hand and obedience on the other, they are natural and necessary. You have to understand authority. You have to understand that there are laws, that things work a certain way, right? And that you need to obey those laws. These are important things. But she's essentially saying that when that's all you have are the principles of of obedience and the principles of um, the principles of authority that those two things by themselves are not enough to educate and they're not that's enough to make a robot that's enough to make someone who never really explores the possibilities of their potential she's saying those things are natural and necessary and fundamental but these principles are limited by some respect Respect to the potential. They're limited by the fact that inside of you is this potential, is this God-given idea, this God-given problem that you, this this problem that you will put on the earth to solve. Right? Um, she's saying that it's limited by the respect to the personality of the children, which cannot be encroached upon, and we have to be very careful not to do that by manipulating them. Um, and it, it can be easy to do that, right? As parents, like you know, you got a kid and you're like, look, I just need you to do what I need you to do. Okay, so we can move on. <laughs> um, but we have to be very careful not not to manipulate our children um, and to limit that that squelches. It limits their ability to execute their potential when we only teach them the principle of authority and obedience, and then we try to we try to maintain that right, keep keep that belt on them through fear and love or through any other kind of undue play upon their emotions or their desires. Whew. That's that's a that's a that's 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 work right there. That's something that I am constantly working on, um, you know, as a parent. So number five says, therefore, we're limited. She's saying that there are three educational instruments: the atmosphere and environment, the discipline of habit, and the presentation of living ideas. The atmosphere of environment. I love it that we don't have to create this kid-like environment. This environment only for children. The children because they're born persons they live in the world with everybody else they're part of everything else so we're not trying to create this environment where you know here's a little something for little for little um Dwayne and and little Sheila and little Billy to do and that's their child environment and they're not a part of the of of what's going on around them um that, that we have the atmosphere of environment which means that what's happening in home and in life and out and about and Whatever it takes to execute life, that all of that stuff is important. The kids should be in that atmosphere, right? Um, she's saying it stultifies a child to bring down his world to what some people would call a child's level. Um, I often think about times when I experienced as a child or I've seen other other children experience their world being brought down to a child's level and it really does quelch those those beautiful ideas those beautiful imaginations those beautiful dreams that children have and we we want to be really careful to give them the atmosphere of environment which means whatever environment they are in that is the environment that they will learn in you know and that is the environment that um, they are suited for and that will 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 give them lessons and stories and moments that will impact how they execute their potential that's the atmosphere and environment by um, education is a discipline she's talking about habits the habits formed um, 
the habits of mind and body are really, really important. And later she's going to talk about the habit of attention. And I know that some people in the Charlotte Mason method use um, like a book on habits. She has a whole list of habits and that's awesome. For us right now, we are focusing on one habit, which is the habit of attention. We're not focusing on any other habit because later Charlotte says that the habit of attention is the one that informs all the other habits. And so um, we are focused, huh, my God, we are focused on the habit of attention and and of applying your attention to something and then holding it there until you're done. That's something that we're constantly talking about um, at our house. So the habit of attention. And when I think about like the habit of doing something and you don't have to think through, you don't have decision fatigue because the habit is there. That's awesome because it frees up my mind to do other things. So I have a, another blog called A Glance This Way and I have another podcast on Anchor called A Glance This Way Radio. And essentially, that's what A Glance This Way is about. It is creating room for the abundant life and purpose within and you do that by managing life. Well, how do you manage life? You manage life through habits and routines. Because what I have found is that when I have a habit of doing something, it frees my brain up to be able to think creatively about my potential because this other thing is now a habit. It's muscle memory. It's just, I'm just doing it and I don't have to apply my brain to it. I don't have to sit down and pull up my will so I can get something done. And I don't have to sit down and make decisions about how to do it because I have routines and habits built in. So I find that managing life in that way creates room for me to execute my potential and my purpose. So at our house, we have morning routines, evening routines. Everybody in our house has them and it helps just keep things running. That's just a small example of some habits that we have going on. So Number eight, in saying that education is a life, the need of intellectual and moral as well as a physical sustenance is supplied. The mind feeds on ideas. I love this. Therefore, children should have a generous curriculum. So sometimes people will ask me, you know, how many subjects do you all cover in a day? And and I'm going to stop after this principle and we'll pick up the next one in a little bit. Um, We cover like 12 cover a lot in a day Um, and sometimes people will say oh man that sounds like you're doing a whole whole lot but our lessons are super short our lessons are not long they are very short and what I find is our lessons are about 15 minutes some of them are much shorter than that what I find is that the boys are like wow I wanted mommy the timer went off I don't want to stop please 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 can we just finish I just want to find out what happens to such and such And I'm like, nope, the timer went off. We have to move on. And so the next day, they're like, I can't wait to get, I can't wait to get to to literature because I'm going to find out what happened with Ulysses when he was out in Minerva, you know, whatever was happening in that story. Um, Also, if it's a subject that they're not all that excited about, they know it's just 15 minutes. It's just 15 minutes. It's going to be okay. And um, that, that 15 or 10 minutes will go by and you'll be okay. Um, so we do provide a generous curriculum. But what I found in providing this generous curriculum is that it's teaching them to get excited about the things that they're excited about. And to endure the things they're not excited about. Because all of it has a prescribed time. None of it is going to go on forever and ever and ever. 
Okay. So I'm going to stop here. That was, that was principle eight. Um, and I'll pick up and do the rest of the principles in the next podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, hanging out with us here at School in the Wild. Um, I hope that you, that you heard something that sparked and inspired you. Feel free to email me. Feel free to, to reach out. If you have any questions, you have some thoughts, you have something to contribute. I am all ears. You can email me at DanitaPlatt at gmail.com. All right, guys, love you, and we will talk real, real soon. Bye-bye.